change. Talk about change. What was going to happen and how all the change was going to be amazing. For Mary, the privilege, the choosing, the fame for all time and eternity. For all of us, a fulfilled prophecy. God keeping His promise. A Savior for the world. God's plan fully accomplished. All the change. Wow! But, how this was all perceived and understood, or better yet, misunderstood, was not so wow, was it? Not so wonderful. We easily lose the personal and challenging side of all of this in, in the aftermath of all the great that happened and celebrating this year after year after year. We can, we can miss the difficulty in the detail. The but-you-don't-get-it part of it all, right? And yet, we when we find ourselves in difficult situations, usually spend most of our time there, don't we? Telling people, well, you don't get it. You don't understand the situation. We get lost in the mix. We get pained in the present. We're struggling with any advice that takes us beyond the here and now because, because this, you don't understand. Imagine sitting down with Mary right at the time of the announcement, or, or maybe partway through her uh, pregnancy, and trying to give her some perspective from, from where you stand now. I mean, what might you say? Mary, no, you don't get it. This is Jesus. He, he's going he's gonna to change everything. Um, he'll be the savior of the world. Do, do you have any idea how famous you're going to end up being? Do you know how many statues of you will be on suburban lawns in America someday? Would, would that have helped? Would that have given any perspective? Would that have consoled her? Would it have consoled you if you were in that situ situation? Who knows, right? But isn't it true that any truly remarkable thing that happens in our lives has its profoundness found in the very dark background out of which it comes and then shines. Aren't the deepest lessons learned in the greatest difficulty? The most profound moments discovered in the darkest nights of the soul? Isn't the greatest change that we ever experience usually hammered out on that very hard anvil? of adversity. And when the relief is finally found and, and the lesson is learned and, and the change is obvious because God really did something in your life, what do you then feel? Do you feel happiness? I don't think so. Because happiness is, is so circumstantial, isn't it? It's so transitory. It's, it's so fickle and superficial. But we do feel something, don't we? What do we feel? We feel 
joy. Joy is, is deep and it's profound. And it's usually the product of, of time and pain and effort and adversity, isn't it? And this is why Mary is such a great example of, for teaching us about joy. And I frankly think it's why she wrote this song and sang it. But to really see the depth of that great joy expressed in the song, which we'll look at in a minute, let's first consider the dark background a little, and then I, I think we'll be able to see the brightness of all that changed. The first part of the passage that I read was about this announcement. Did the video help you with some of the dark background, her, her circumstances? A poor, unremarkable girl from a no-name town, only infamous for not having anything good to offer. Scandalously found to be with child before she was married, in danger of actual stoning. Yet what she bore in scandal and slander might have seemed a more horrible fate because it just kept going on and on and on. Then a dangerous, arduous trip to an unknown place at the very end of her pregnancy only to give birth in the most rudimentary conditions in what must have seemed like an interminable distance from mom and friends and family and support and care and love. Those are just the circumstantial things, and I'm sure that's not even a complete rendering of it all. But now let's consider the struggle in her heart and her soul she only says three things in this announcement and, and one editorial comment that kind of shows a response on her part. But these are windows into her soul. So look at what is happening here in her four responses. First of all, she's greatly troubled. This is fear. This would be prophetic for all of the trouble that she would have to face, all of the shame and the misunderstanding, the judging and the loneliness. And then all of the travel and the stable birth and the new home and then having to flee to Egypt and live as a refugee and imagine all the fear of the unknown. There's so much she didn't know. And then she speaks in verse 34, how will this be? I think this is about control. How am I going to do this? I, I have no idea. I'm just a girl. I'm not even married. How, how is this going to work? Imagine all of the questions of how she was going to do this. Not really trying to be a control freak, just how am I? But then as the announcement continues, we see another part of her soul. In the moment, without any delay, verse 38 I am the Lord's servant. This is, this is faith. I don't have to know all the hows. You are the Lord, and I serve you. Wow. And then followed immediately by, may it be to me as you have said. This is, this is obedience. I, I will do what you say, angel. And I believe God has my best interest in mind, and he will do what you say. Wow. 
So here's the lesson from Mary. Joyfulness comes when some resolu- with some resolution because God has worked. Joy comes because something has changed. And I want you to get this. This is the, an insight that I discovered this week in trying to figure out the difference between joy and happiness. How can there be joy in this situation? What does joy really consist of? And this is what I want you to get. Joy comes because something has actually changed. So one of the passages that came to mind was an exhortation from Paul to uh, the, the people in Philippi. He wrote a letter to them and he said, make my joy complete. In other words, it's incomplete unless and something must be done. In fact, something must change. He said, make my joy complete by being like-minded of the same spirit, one, and spirit and purpose. He, he lists a whole bunch of things that actually follow the very character of Christ and his example. You see, change comes, I mean, joy comes because something has changed. Now think about that. We're then grateful because of what he's done, right? We know relief because we trusted him and somehow he, he did something. He met something. He met a need. He, he changed something and there's, there's a sense of relief. We're satisfied because he's been faithful. And we didn't know if he would and then he did and then like, wow, I have everything that I need. And this is why some people have joy and some people don't. I mean, anybody can be happy if the circumstances are good enough. But who has true joy? People who have joy have it because they understand that something was one way and now it's not anymore and the circumstances will never change that. Because I know the way it was and now I know the way it is. And nothing will change that. You see? But the lesson's not done here from Mary. This assumes in the moment faith in the fear and obedience to his control. It's as if there is a a doorway, but it has to be moved through. It has to be stepped through so that you can enter into, Scripture even says, the fullness of joy. And it requires a response on our part of faith and obedience. In the simplicity of this story, which we know so well, I mean, I didn't read anything to you this morning that you haven't heard many times. We'd say thousands, but it's probably less than that that we've read that, right? But we know it. And yet, in the simplicity of this very familiar story, we see the profoundness of some of life's greatest questions. The whys. The why. The why does God do? God is a God of history. The author of a progressive plan. Part of the greatness of who he is and what he will accomplish is only attainable because of the process. God is great, but he's showing all of creation that he's really, really great. And the only way that will be accomplished is because of certain things that have to happen so that when it's all over, we're going, wow, look at what he did. Look at what he answered. Look at what he accomplished. What relief. 
I'm so grateful. I'm so satisfied. You see that? The profoundness of some of the world's and our greatest questions are found in a simple story because God is a God of history and a progressive plan and he's accomplishing things that we must respond to in faith and obedience. I'll prove it to you. Because God, as I love to say, never asks us to do anything that he hasn't done himself. So Hebrews speaks of what Jesus did. And he says, the author of Hebrews, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Now, that implies that our faith is in process, that there are things that God is making and doing through our faith to make it even better. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising his, its shame, and sat down at the right hand of Almighty God. He, in order to enter into full joy, had to endure the cross, despising its shame, and then find himself there. You see the process? And without it, without it, he, well, let's consider with it. What gratefulness on the part of Jesus Christ to be able to sit down and say, I'm glad that's done, right? <laughs> we know he didn't want to do it in the garden, and he did. And what gratefulness. What relief that it was complete. And what satisfaction to be able to say to any person who understands that they before God have a real issue and a problem and they need the Savior that he sent for that Savior to be able to look at that person. What satisfaction to be able to look at that person and say, and if you'll just trust and obey, you can enter into fullness of joy. How much joy do we lack because we, we will not trust in the fear? How much joy do we rob ourselves because we will not obey when he tells us to obey? Joy is not possible without change, without the process. But it must be responded to in trust and obedience. Mary in the video said, I, I was sure that the angel had come to the wrong house with that announcement. But if that's what God wanted, well then, who was I to tell him he was wrong? Or as verse 38 says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. So what... What all of this process accomplishes is amazing. And so I want to look at that joy that came about because of all that then changed. These are the elements of joy because of all that changed. That's in the second passage, the, this Magnificat, this song that she writes. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Joy because of all that has changed. Changed in me and changed because of all that Christ has done. 
And I want you to see that there are elements of joy that have come about because of all that has changed. You need to see these because these hold promise and they make joy measurable and tangible. You can actually quantify joy based on these things as opposed to happiness, which is so fickle and changes with the circumstances. Joy has elements that ensure stability and enduring nature because they have come about through change and a process. So, as I said before, isn't uh, anything truly remarkable in our lives really grown out of a very dark background that it shines out of then? Aren't the deepest lessons learned through the greatest difficulty or the most profound moments found in those dark nights of the soul or the greatest change hammered out on the anvil of adversity? When relief is found, what do you feel? You feel joy, a profound product of time and pain and effort and adversity. And look at the elements that are here. Verse 50, there's relief. His mercy to those who fear him. Instead of fearing the situation, we fear him, and then he accomplishes what he will, and we're relieved. What relief to know that you're, you were guilty of sin, and then God looks at you and says, you're now clothed in Christ's righteousness. What relief. Because of his mercy to those who fear him. There's satisfaction. You are mindful of the humble. You filled the hungry. That's past tense. In other words, he accomplished something. He had to do something. He changed the situation. Verses 48 and 53. Instead of having to be in control, he provided and proved that he is truly in control. And then gratitude. Verse 49. The mighty one has done great things. Again, past tense. He's accomplished it. When we do trust and obey, we see him work on our behalf. And what gratitude we have. But you can't talk joy without change. That's what I want you to see today. Joy comes because something has changed. Well, first of all, God. God changed the situation. He brought about a change for us. He saw us in our need. We sang a song in the first service that was just remarkable. It was a special one for Christmas. Had a line in there, some said, some, it's more poetic than this, okay, but paraphrasing, but, but it, was, it was a remarkably beautiful thought that the hands that molded creation now grasp the breast of a mother, vulnerable, weak, needy. I mean, that God, seeing our need, would make his son so frail and vulnerable for us to identify completely, to then live a perfect life and take the pain and the punishment that we deserved, death, because of our rebellion against God, and then conquer it and rise again to pass through that doorway of the process to sit down and be able to say with tremendous satisfaction, 
Would you like to be forgiven? You see, first, God brought change. And we have to respond to that, accept his only answer and accept the process that he used to accomplish that. Really, the first thing we have to get over is ourselves, isn't it? You know, that I'm really not all that bad or the situation isn't as serious as you say it is or I'm not sure that that's really all true and I don't know if I can trust all this. First thing we got to do is get over ourselves, don't we? And kind of see that God worked first. And maybe we ought to trust him and then obey him. and walk through the door. Allow his process of pain and difficulty to be enough for us to enter into the fullness of his joy, to be forgiven. That's the first thing that brings joy through change. But now we also have to ask another question. How will we do that for another person? I mean, if if God did it for us, why wouldn't we do it for another? Jesus asked that very same question when he told a parable about a a man who had a debt and and, and the one to whom he was indebted forgave him. And, And then that one who was forgiven didn't forgive another. And so Jesus, through this parable, ends up asking the question at the end, through that man who first forgave, if I I forgave you, why wouldn't you forgive another? Why wouldn't you do what I did for you? So we have to turn this to ourselves. Not only recognize what God has done to bring about change and joy in our lives, but be willing to ask ourselves the hard question, what would I do to create change to bring joy into the life of another person? Some people around us, within your sphere of influence, are desperately praying for something to change. There's some situation in their life, there's some set of circumstances. Maybe you know it, maybe you don't. There are people out there praying to whom they don't even know. And they're just hoping for some change. And I think our loving Savior who changed us is is looking at us saying, can you give me a hand here? Wouldn't you be a part of these too? You see, Mary was a part of the picture. She was an instrument in God's hands. Some of the change that God brought was because she was obedient and she willingly followed. A humble vessel, mighty in the hands of God. We have much to learn from her. Can't we be the same as little as we feel like we are, as little as we think we might be able to do? Isn't there some kind of change that we might bring that would would create joy in the life of another person? We've been asking these kinds of questions as we've returned to this first Christmas. We learned from the shepherds that we can offer hope by being present with people. We've learned from Elizabeth and Zechariah what peace is and how that can be found as we help people connect to this story 
And we've learned from Joseph about love and, and how we can express that. It's meant to be expressed through obedience and sacrifice. And now Mary. I knew he would change everything. He had already changed me. What change from all that was to such joy? Well, what change might you bring? How will you create change that brings about joy to someone this Christmas? That's your joy question. Would you take it and think about it and pray about it? And just because the 25th comes and goes doesn't mean it couldn't still do something. And I've given you a little example of what that can look like. I put the voice in that of a child this time. It's just an example of what this could look like. When a child writes, I'm always glad for the things I get at Christmas. Mom and Dad told me some kids, even around here, don't get what they want, sometimes not even what they need. I didn't know that. So our family put money in the joy box to help families buy gifts for their children. I sure hope they have a great Christmas. Like I know I will. That's just an example. Could be any number of ways. What would God tell you to do to create a little change in some circumstances to bring some joy so that someone discovers what relief is, what, what gratitude is, what satisfaction might be. And I trust you're writing your stories down. I trust that you'll take a moment and do this. I've been hearing some stories for some people and I've been saying, please write that down. Just take a couple lines. The cards are right here. There's another station out there. Or take it home with you, fill it out, bring it back, put it in there. But just jot a few lines of what God did through you. It may not be a huge thing. Maybe it was a pretty amazing thing. Because I've heard a couple of stories that were just like, wow, you need to write that one down. Because it's a celebration of what God does through humble people who make themselves available to change. Do you know any relief because God's worked in your life? Do you know any satisfaction because He's provided for you along the way? Do you... Do you have any gratitude because you've seen what he's done for you? That is lasting joy because he brought change. So, how will you create change that brings joy in the life of another? Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you did through Mary. Such a remarkable example. Thank you for those windows into her soul where we see her human struggle, but then such a godly response. Who was she? A simple girl. And who are we? But simple instruments in your hand. And so I pray that you'd help us to be courageous enough to look for opportunities to bring change, to take advantage of the opportunities right in front of us with the giving tree or whatever it might be, would you prompt our hearts and our minds 
so that we wouldn't miss an opportunity that you have for us. And oh, I pray that we, like Mary, would willingly trust and obey. In Jesus' name, amen.